0: This time on Poll Hub, just in time for the holidays, new polling with our partners at NPR and PBS NewsHour. We're talking about impeachment, the Democratic primary and other goodies. We've got all the details. Then speaking of the holidays, what we're spending and what we're spending on this season. We're talking with the head of Deloitte's Consumer Industry Center about their 34th retail holiday survey. Hey, Alexa, get my stocking ready. This poll hub is decidedly not a lump of coal. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll.
1: And I'm Mary Griffith, Media Director for the Marist Poll. And I am Lee Maringoff,
2: Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. And Barbara
0: Carvalho will be joining us in the next segment. We have a new poll out, um, and we asked a lot of questions about a lot of things. Um, on this particular day, as we tape this, uh, the impeachment proceedings are in the House. It's on all the TVs, It's 24-7 live coverage. Uh, what did we find out?
2: Well, I, you know, I think we found out a lot about what we already knew, and that is that not much is changing. I mean, the numbers are still very close in terms of impeach, remove, the fundamental questions that everybody's asking. There have been a few polls others have done that have shown slightly different numbers. Uh, but by and large, what we're seeing is that you can go back several months And sort of exchange that data with this, and you're going to find very much a similar result. I think we have people rooting, and what's going on is reinforcing of people's views. But there's not a lot of people being persuaded one way or the
0: other. So is that a failure? And I don't want to do too much game day analysis stuff, but is that a failure of the Democrats to to make a case? Or was that a case that, that from what our polling has shown with his approval rating, with the president's approval rating, Mm -hmm. for instance, is not a case that's going to be able to be made? For his partisans.
2: Yeah, and I think people are rooting. In other words, there's not people sitting there and, you know, you know, keeping score like it might a high school debate, for example, and, you know, who's scoring points here, and it's not really what's going on.
1: You know, I'm curious, as we head into the new year, it's expected that the impeachment proceedings will go to trial in the Senate, and we do have quite a few sitting senators <laughs> who are yeah. running for president, and so what do you think? What kind of impact do you think this is going to have on the presidential campaign of the Democratic race in particular?
0: Well, the, the ones that are most likely to have a big role in that, um, because there are a lot of senators, uh, are not necessarily the ones who need the most help. I mean, Bernie Sanders, for instance, doesn't necessarily need any help. He's up, up near the top of the polls. Uh, but Cory Booker, for instance, you know, could make a name for himself or a- a- Amy a- Klobuchar. Amy But, a- but a- both of them kind of have— in prior, yeah. remember going into this campaign season, uh, during the Kavanaugh hearings, they were the stars to mm-hmm. some degree of the Kavanaugh hearings. As was Kamala Harris, who is no longer in the she race. She might be auditioning for vice vice president. Yeah, <laughs> I think she's been doing that for a while. Anything's possible. Yeah, so I, I'm 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 not super convinced that this would have a, a big impact, other than taking them off the trail yeah, and right, taking exactly. time and attention away. From the presidential Well, there may be an right incentive here primary. for
2: both sides, both the Democrats and the Republicans, I think, overall, to bring this to a close quickly. I don't think Donald Trump is going to be happy, uh, despite his pro- public statements, with an impeachment discussion dominating the news for too long. And I think the Democrats want to get back to the campaign because they don't want this to be— uh, a late chapter, particularly with the primaries, you know, coming up real close.
1: And speaking of the campaign, fans of the podcast and fans of the poll know that the NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll has not done a Democratic toss-up until now. And so, Lee, why don't you kind of fill everyone in on the decision to include a toss-up at this point and what the toss-up shows?
2: Well, the, re- the reason simply that we haven't is because we do not comfortable with uh, poll results being such a critical part in determining who gets qualifies eligibility for these debates uh, has been the case i think we've seen that play out uh and some people aren't going to make it and there's letters now being circulated by the candidates to get and, and, other people included and so it's a little bit about, of a mess
0: and we've talked about to, to at, at great length but just to remind everybody mm-hmm. the reason that we have a problem with that is that making it at four percent and not making it at three percent is is statistically impossible. Well, this is just meaningless. like meaningless. And to use our poll or anybody else's poll to make that determination mm. we think is not a fair use of the polls. So, anyway, go so ahead. to so, Mary's,
2: to Mary's question, the um, you know, early on, you know, the polls are even less meaningless than maybe even they are today even uh, because uh, you know, people haven't decided. We know that from our polls. Most of the Democrats are saying they haven't made up their minds yet. So to then not allow people onto the stage when the voters they're appealing to haven't made up their minds yet seems to really go and fa- fly in the face of any logic so why not? So, so so i mean we're getting to the point where you do want you know sort of benchmarks to compare to so you know the iowa caucus the new hampshire primary and the others are now around the corner when we turn the calendar c- clock to 2020 uh so i think it makes sense and also there's not a lot of debates left that are gonna have this kind of eligibility criteria. Um, I think it's now you know, winnowed down for good and for bad.
1: And so when we look at the, the toss-up question among Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents nationally, again, this was a national survey, the top tier remains the same as we've been seeing in other surveys. So Joe Biden is at 24%, Bernie Sanders is competitive at 22%, Elizabeth Warren receives 17%, and Pete Buttigieg receives 13%.
0: So what does that mean? A national poll right now of Democrats and Democratic leaning independents is great, except that we could go back in two thousand and eight at this point in the cycle, yes. or two thousand and twelve, or I mean, we can go to there's, every there's, cycle and we can President find... Howard
2: Dean somewhere exactly.
0: In there. <laughs> and so, so what does this mean when really all eyes are on Iowa, New Hampshire, yeah. South Carolina, Nevada,
2: and even those polls? There have been very few quality polls, uh, and in fact, some people are complaining that there haven't been. Get this, enough good polls. We've gone from near of too many polls to, gee, we could use some more good data on here. And I think, you know, the national polls give a sense of where these people are, and some of them are even talking about, well, how would they run against Donald Trump? Which, when Democrats are interested in electability, uh, is no small matter. Um, so I think that that's sort of an, an important dimension to it. But, you know, let's let's not hang around waiting for the next poll to come out and then uh, try to figure out what to make of each one drilling down perhaps a little too deeply.
1: And I also think what's interesting in this survey is that 76% of Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents tell us that they have not made up their mind yeah. yet. Um, they're still soft in terms of who they will vote for in the primary. And that hasn't changed much uh, since we started asking that question in the summer. Yeah. It's so is, is that because
0: there's so many candidates and, and frankly, only really, I mean, people who like watch Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity every night as a sport yeah. are going to be paying enough attention to have made yeah. a really firm commitment?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. And, and people are shopping around. And if electability is what's driving Democrats right now, the front runners have had problems and the second tier has had difficult time penetrating the top
0: tier. So, but that always happens. Yeah. You mentioned Howard Dean or President yeah. Rudy Giuliani. I mean, you know, this has always <laughs> happened where yes. somebody comes from the secretary or Mitt Romney, who was who, who was the frontier, but was like so far behind going yeah. into Iowa. was like he can't buy this; isn't going to yeah. work for him. And John Kerry, and John
2: Kerry was like in fourth or fifth. Place, I think in fourth or at fifth this place point, in you know, yeah, yeah. I know, Mayor, you've been picking out some of the the tweets social media we've had uh, on uh, on this poll results, and uh, so maybe we can take a swing at some of that.
1: Yeah, well, many of our social media comments have really uh, made mention of the toss-up among non-white Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents. And here, Bernie Sanders has 29% to 26% for Joe Biden, um, those being the, the top two candidates. And so that's what a lot of the discussion has been focusing on Lee, what's the, not issue, but what should people be aware of when looking at this particular crosstab and these results? Well,
2: I mean, I think, first of all, and we've talked about this in uh, many other segments, I mean, beware the margin of error. And in this case, the margin of error is over 8%. So we're talking about a, quote, lead that may not, in fact, be a lead. And again, I think, you know, it's it's fair to say that uh, Sanders' support is more of young Uh, than than of older voters and so that's where he's taking some support away from biden uh among people of color but uh let's not overplay this and again it's a benchmark it's not the last right
0: so i have a question that because um we have talked in the past Mm -hmm. about a case where the president tweeted um one of our numbers about his you know huge increase in support among hispanic voters from one poll to the next and as we pointed out we didn't uh you know, we didn't highlight that because the margin of error was huge. The the number of people we talked to was really quite small. Why do we put these numbers in there if they can be misconstrued? Because I think that's what you're saying here sure. is don't don't throw it. We don't we're not highlighting this no. because there's a big margin of error here and you can't draw really firm conclusions yeah. from this. So why do we put it in there? In well, the okay, point?
2: several answers to that. I think uh, you know we're all about transparency. So you know people are going to ask, and we would rather have it there. But we also talk about you know the analysis we provide and that's not exactly the headline that we're offering in fact I'm not even sure we wrote to it at all in, in our uh, our release uh, we didn't so uh, you know what what's there is there but what we're all about on this podcast and on the Academy that we, we've developed uh, in terms of uh, educating you know poll consumers to to have a better sense of this if you drill down understand that the error margin gets much wider so don't put up the mortgage on those findings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well before we move on Lee there is a news um, report out uh, yeah. recently um, on a USA Today survey which talks about some hypothetical general matchup yeah. uh, contests Tell us which
2: found. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this sort of got my 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 dander up. Is that is that the correct sure. phrase? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. A canine phrase. It's always acceptable <laughs> among among us. Among folks. us, yeah, yeah. yes. So so okay. So USA Today <laughs> asked a, that was my a question. Which thank you. Uh, USA Today asked a question about the the national toss up: Donald Trump versus Biden versus Sanders versus Warren versus Bloomberg and, and Buttigieg. I'm not sure if they asked anybody else, and what they found different from other polls, is that Donald Trump is ahead of each of these Democrats. But there was sort of an, another big asterisk next to this. They asked a, the question in terms of, do you want to vote for Trump, Biden, or a third-party candidate, unnamed, a generic third-party candidate. Generic does very well, Uh, Much more than the generic is going to (laughs) get. Generic is always like none of the above and the kind of thing. But what the generic is taking away, it's taking away from the anti-Trump vote because they're getting in each of these cases, the generic is double digits. Trump's number is 44, 44, 45, 43. Sort of a little bit higher than his approval rating, but not much. Not much. But the yeah. Democrats are in the thirties, and that's because it's being siphoned off into this generic third-party candidate. It's interesting, you know. Sure, there's sentiment at this point for third-party candidates, but you got to put a name in there up against the names, and also the Democrats aren't unified at this point. So there's a lot of Democrats who are going to say, "Geez, I don't know," because I'm, you know, I'm a big Bernie fan. I'm not exactly going to say, "Oh, I like Biden too." I'm not ready. I'm not ready to make that commitment. I may be in three months. I'm not there yet. So we're not really happy with this question. Uh, watch for question wording before you jump to the headline that says Trump leads against all Democrats. Not true.
3: So I'm back, and <laughs> and we're gonna have a little bit of a. a, a- topic changer this time around, holiday spending and joining us is Stephen Rogers, Executive Director of Deloitte's Consumer Industry Center. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us today.
4: It's a pleasure, Barbara.
3: Now you guys have been doing um, this survey on holiday spending for 34 years, I think. is that is that right? That's That's
4: correct. Yeah, it's quite the franchise.
3: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So perhaps we can start out a little bit um, for the the poll geeks who like to listen with how the poll was actually conducted um, and how you went about finding out Americans' opinions.
4: Sure. So I'll, I'll share a little bit on the objectives and then a little bit on the poll. So, you know, the study aims to understand consumers' intended shopping behaviors and spending for the end of the year holiday season. And what we do is we commission and conduct an online survey with an independent research company in early September to gather that. And it polls a nationally representative sample of over 4,000 shoppers and has margin of error of approximately, uh, give or take, 2%. Okay, plus
3: or minus, as we like to say, right? That's um, right. So, so, It's specifically shoppers. And so how has shopping evolved over the last 30 years?
4: Well, as you might expect, shoppers always like their price promotions and they like to find the right product. But over time, they've also started to steer towards convenience, right? so we've seen uh, increased activity online. So shoppers told us that they plan to spend nearly 60% of their total budget online. That's up eight percent. Is that just from last
3: that of last four years? Okay. Yeah,
4: yeah, and and mobile devices are increasingly becoming a point of sale anywhere, right? Uh, It's convenience in our pocket, and so what we've seen is an increase in folks purchases on mobile devices. 70% say they intend to purchase on their mobile device, and that's up considerably. Uh, That's up uh, from 59% two years ago and 41% four years ago.
3: You know, I'm old enough to remember when people were really suspicious about shopping online. Um, Have we thrown away our concern for privacy?
4: Well, that's a good question. We didn't test for that, right? Uh, So shoppers are increasingly becoming aware of what they uh, what the experience is like online, and they're becoming more privacy aware. Um, But you know, specifically, uh, while we tested for some of it, we you know, the, the it suggests that they're not concerned. So
0: right? two, two quick questions. One is uh, we, we know that the economy in many ways is, is booming. Um, what is the spending looking like from what you're seeing and from what the projections are? And are, are people spending more than they did last year? And then I, I'm, I'll follow real quick with that, which is what are they spending on? You know, what, what, is, what's the, what are the hot, you know, segments this year?
4: Sure. Great question. So <clears throat> shoppers told us that on average they're going to spend approximately 1500 this year. Uh, And a good portion of that is shifting towards socialization or socializing away from home or inside the home. interesting. Yeah, so about uh, $600. So the experience
3: kind of spending, which we've seen kind of in in other times of the year and in other sectors.
4: That's right. That's right. And so that's led to a prediction that spending on gifts will decline this year. Uh, And that's the first time we've seen that in about six years. Right, so only about five hundred and ten dollars are on gifts, and in fact, um, the projected average number of gifts haven't really recovered since pre-recession levels.
0: Do you guys ask about um, gift cards? Because I have to confess that um, as I get older, and there's more and more people to buy for who are. More distant relatives or people that are friends that I don't really know, they don't need anything. You know, I get a gift card. And do you, do you, you know,
3: do you look at that? Is he, <laughs> is he alone? Am I alone? <laughs> you are, you are not alone.
4: Uh, gift cards usually top the list, right? Uh, really? Again, yeah. it's back to that convenience factor, right? Um, the other categories that sort of top the list are clothing and accessories. Uh, food and beverage is interesting because it's crept up there. Hmm. And that's probably related to that socialization, or I keep saying socialization, but socializing. At yeah, home. yeah. Uh, and then um, toys, as you might expect, followed by electronics. Oh, we all love toys. Goods. We do. We
3: do. <laughs> they just seem to get bigger and more expensive. <laughs> Although, you know, um, I, I don't know that whether you've tested, you know, Legos, but I find that um, just anecdotally, uh, that seems to have no age range whatsoever. They seem to be popular for, uh, you know, for kids of all ages.
4: I, I fit into that category myself. Vince.
0: What about re-gifting or resale items? Um, cause that's another thing I have to confess that <laughs> like the gift cards, I guess I don't have to be ashamed about the gift cards. That's number one. What about re-gifting stuff and, you know, resale items?
4: Yeah, that's an interesting trend this year. Just over a quarter of folks say that they're going to gift a resale item. Um, And their real reasons for doing it are first, saving money. Mm. uh, Second, affording a luxury item that they wouldn't otherwise. And then there's also an environmentally sustainable aspect to it, right? And and the industry has come to meet it, right? There's some players who've really industrialized uh, the opportunity to find those gifts, right? Uh, um, I, I won't name names, but there's some major players who have found their way into that space, and it's attracted some traditional players into the space. Hmm, now, not everybody's into it, I must say. This is a really a generational divide. Gen Z and millennial are very much into the resale market. Uh, boomers and seniors, not so much. Uh, they They really... <laughs> Either they haven't found the market or they have no interest. And um, for folks who aren't gifting uh, resale items, they, they basically share that they're afraid of the appearance of being cheap uh, or they've got concerns about the item's condition and what do you do then, uh, or just not being able to find what they want.
3: You know, I, I noticed in, your, in the study, too, that there was another generational difference. Um, and when we hear about online shopping, uh, mm-hmm. increasing so much we we assume it's because of Millennials and uh, Gen Z but that's not really the case is it? Online
4: shopping's up across the board no matter what the generational cohort um, while seniors lag over the last four or five years we've continued to see that become the preferred method of uh, shopping right and so you know, shoppers are increasingly becoming omni- chan- omni-channel. No matter what generation, uh, they're they're no longer separating online within store. Uh, nearly seventy percent either research online and then go purchase in the store, or. They research in the store and purchase online, or we've seen the rise of buy online and pick up in the store.
3: And those, and those who are younger actually like the store experience because it's, uh, it's just more socializing.
4: Yeah. Matter of fact, in our Thanksgiving survey, we saw that millennials said that they were going to do it primarily for uh, that socializing aspect.
0: So I guess the death of retail, at least this holiday season, is premature announcement it, of the death
4: of retail I think uh, what is that quote from uh, Mark Twain yes my death is greatly exaggerated Great. I think we're seeing that in retail as well you know the, the thing is retailers are no longer just brick and mortar right they're a combination of brick and mortar and online and while I think I saw some reports over the Thanksgiving week that in-store uh, shopping was down a little over uh, a li- down a little over last year, and online was up. It's still very healthy.
3: Well, that is that is uh, that is good news. And uh, thank you, Stephen. We very much appreciate you joining us today to give us the lay of the land on uh, on holiday spending and actually holiday experiences. That's 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 really and, uh, and kind of cool.
0: And good luck with your last minute shopping if you've got any.
4: Thank you. I'll be sending you in a resale item. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Sure. Thanks. Take care.
1: Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Maris Poll at Maris College in Poughkeepsie, New York.
0: And Mary Griffith, who, oh, hey, that's you. Hi. That's me. You are our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our editor, although I think I'm going to pull one of these so she doesn't have to edit. All of the holiday episodes and all that.
3: So that's going to cut down on
2: your holiday presents by one, right there. So, and we want to thank the Roper Center Archives at Cornell for providing us with the ability to look back, answer every questions, results over the decades.
3: And if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us on social media. We're at Maris Poll on Twitter and Maris Poll on Facebook and Instagram. You can even wish us a happy holiday uh, because it is that time of year. Mm. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, Merry Happy Everything from from us, and I hope you enjoy uh, all the time that you have with friends and family and whatever you like to do at this time of the year.
2: What if I don't have friends and family? You've got us. Oh, there it's you, the you closest go. Closest thing. <laughs> well, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> happy holidays.